Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, July the 25th, 2022. It is currently 5 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Simple question. It's Monday. So how are you doing in this week's Bible study exercise? What have you accomplished so far? Have you been reading the text? Have you been spending time in the text? Have you started working on your outline? Have you started doing any of the other things that I asked you to do in part one of our introduction to this week's Bible study exercise? Hopefully you have done something. Hopefully you've at least spent time with the text. And if you don't remember, we're really kind of looking at a very important concept. What is love? Remember, last week was Luke 10, 25 through 37, also in 2 Kings 5. And we heard the story of the great, of the great, of the good Samaritan, right? Well, the great Samaritan, well, it depends. If you go back and listen to the last one, you'll see why I'm wanting to use the word the great Samaritan because of something, I, I use that to picture something that is absolutely great. But the good Samaritan, Right? And remember that whole thing was, hey, what, what, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Well, keep the law. What, what, or, or what does the law say? Well, it says to love God and love your neighbor. We'll do that and you'll live. Okay, well, wait a minute. I got to love my neighbor as myself? Wait, so if I, if, I, if I want eternal life, I have to love my neighbor as myself. Okay, well, well, who is my neighbor? Well, maybe you're asking the wrong question. The question isn't who is your neighbor. The question is, are you loving those people you come in contact with? Are you being the right kind of neighbor? Are you doing the right thing? Are you truly loving people the way you are supposed to love people if you want eternal life? Right Now, remember, Jesus was doing all of this to show the, the lawyer who asked the question, you don't do this. You don't love correctly. You don't love your neighbor correctly. You don't love God correctly. Therefore, you can't seek to do to have eternal life. You're going to have to seek someone who has done all the things the law requires. And we talked about that. But I, the way I started thinking, well, wait a minute. If Luke 10 is pointing us to the fact that we have to love our neighbor, right? If that's what the law demands, and obviously we're going to fall short of it, the only way to truly know we fall short of it, the only way to truly feel the weight of that law is for us to truly define what love is. Because when we see the reality of love, we will see how far we fall short of that reality. It's one thing to say, yes, love God, love others. Okay, you may be able to convince yourself that you're able to do it to some level, but I think when you see what love truly is, you'll see how far short you fall of that, which then will make you have to rely on the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ, right? So we will, we will drive, we will spend a little bit more time unpacking that as the week unfolds, but hopefully you have spent some time already in the text. So here's what we're doing this week. It's all about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's all about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want you to read it and read it and read it and read it. And you're supposed to outline it, right? Remember, observational outline. Outline is not to include any interpretation. Very simple. Just all you're doing, you're observing what's on the page of the text and you're placing it on 
well, a page of notebook paper, okay? Or computer, I don't care. Use whatever, all right? I, now, the right way is on paper with pencil. The wrong way is every other way. But you're feel free. You're free to do the wrong way and just demonstrate your rebellion and your sinful. I'm joking. I'm joking, okay? But get the outline done. And I want you just to, and remember, I want you to keep reading the text until you, you experience that tipping point, right? And remember what the tipping point is, class, right? The tipping point is where you read the text so much that you are no longer studying it. It is studying you. I cannot stress that enough. All right, please do that. So we're going to spend a little time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is going to be short. I don't think we're going to spend, well, I, I say it's going to be short. It should be short. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I've spent some time looking at it today. And today, one thing jumped off the page. One thing. Remember, I always love when you keep reading a text over and over and over, and maybe like on a specific day, one thing just keeps jumping off the page. It just kind of, you know, smacking you in the face. Sometimes it's every time you read it, something else jumps off the page. Today, just one thing, but we'll We'll have to work our way there, right? First Corinthians chapter 13. Let's begin. I, I'm going to maybe throw out some possible outlining ideas, suggestions, maybe. We'll see. Here we go. First Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, the King James, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, someone's already asked a question about the King James use of the word charity here. I would challenge you to do this. First, I would challenge you to look up the Greek word there for charity. I already know what it is. I'm not going to tell you. Look that up. And then you may ask yourself, well, how many times is that Greek word translated charity? And how many times is it translated other things? Look at all the different ways it's translated, Right? right? Is it translated love? And, and, if you, and then ask yourself, how many times is this translated charity? And then ask yourself, why do you think the translators, the King James translators, chose the word charity? Now, they use, the Greek word is used more than this, but charity is, they translate the Greek word that, that's used here. Charity, I think it's 23, 24 times. I'm going from memory. 23, tw 23 to 26 times and if you look up every time they translate it charity, do you see something? Do you see something similar? Do you see something in common with it? All right. Look up the Greek word. You can do so with the Blue Letter Bible app. You'll notice that it's translated charity, and you'll and you'll see. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Take that back. Look up the Greek word. Obviously, that's not charity, but you'll see that it'll say Greek word, and then it'll it'll show you all the different ways it's translated in the King James. And one of those would be charity. If you'll if you're using the Blue Letter Bible app, if you'll just tap on the word charity, it will show you every place in the New Testament where the word charity is used. Now you'll have for each reference, you'll have to make sure it's the same Greek word. But look at just how. The translators use the word charity. If you look at all 23 or 24 references, you may go, wait, they, they only translate the word charity when it's referencing this idea. When it's only referencing, I already know the idea. I'm trying my best, remember, when we do the Bible study exercises, not to just give you the information, but do a little work on that. We'll circle back to it, right? Someone asked the question. I gave them a little bit of the answer, not all, 
because that's, well, that's just, I don't usually give answers. I like to just give you more. I, I like to get you to go find the answer. That That's to me is far more valuable than me getting giving you the answer. Getting you to go find the answer. Isn't that, isn't that what I should be doing? That's what I should be doing. I think so. But here we go. Paul, once again, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So if I have the greatest speaking ability that's ever been known, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. That sounds so good, doesn't it? Do you believe that? Do you believe there's any sense of truth to that in reality? Not in theory. Theoretically, we can say you you can have the greatest speaking ability in the world, but if you don't have love, you're nothing more than a tinkling cymbal and a sounding brass. You're That's all you are. That sounds so good, theoretically. That sounds so good. But I wonder, most people choose churches based off the speaking ability, right? The communication ability of the pastor. Is it possible that we could say this? I'm just, I'm just throwing out ideas here that as far as people are concerned, if you can communicate well enough, that will make up for any lack of love. People will may even overlook it because you're the best preacher. You're the best communicator and they're drawn to your communication skills. You do everything right. You got the right inflection in your voice. You got the right frequency, not too high pitch, not too low pitch. It's right. It sounds wonderful. It's a calming effect. People love the voice. They love everything about how you communicate. And so they will, they will forgive it. They, they won't hear a tinkling cymbal and a sounding brass. They will hear, well, they're going to hear the, the, the tongues of men and of angels. They're going to hear something wonderful. And it may work. Do we understand this, though, to mean before God? You can have all of that speaking ability, but if you do not have love, as far as God is concerned, you're nothing more than a tinkling brass or a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Just a thought, but that's okay. Stay with me. Verse two. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Now, I want you to think about this. From a human perspective, from a Christian perspective, from a church perspective, you take someone who is the best speaker, someone who has the best understanding of Bible, theology, doctrine, and prophecy, and preaching, and someone who seems to have the greatest faith that anyone could have. They have this just powerful faith. Where do you think they would stand within the realm of Christianity? Great. They speak. 
great knowledge. They know everything. Great faith. Do they become the next big Christian celebrity? How do you think, how do you think the person who possesses all of those abilities, gifts, and, 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 and what, however you want to define them, they have all of those things, but they lack love. How do you think they fare in the Christian world versus a guy who do, is not, doesn't speak the best, doesn't have all knowledge, doesn't have the greatest faith? How do you think he fares? I think from a human perspective, the one who, uh, who demonstrates all of these attributes, characteristics, abilities, gifts, talents, they're the ones who are going to rise to the top. They're the ones going to become the, the they're going to, they're the one who's going to have the position, the power, the fame, the recognition. They're going to be the ones with, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads. Everyone wants them. They're going to be getting paid money to speak at conferences where people pay their hard earned money to get in to hear that person preach the word of God. They're going to be the celebrity. They're going to be the flavor of the month. They're going to be on the uh, best selling list. They're going to be everything. Because as Christians, I think we we judge the outward ability. We, we judge external appearance, external ability, external gifts as more valuable than some internal attribute, characteristic like love. Now, I'm not saying love doesn't manifest itself externally, but I'm just saying I think these other things is what wins the day. They what, there's what we, they're what we look for. I think they define celebrity culture within Christianity to a T. Look at that guy speak. Listen to that guy speak, I should say. Listen to that guy speak. Listen to his knowledge, his preaching, his prophecy, whatever the case may be, all of the mysteries that he knows. And look at his faith. Look how strong his, his faith is unmovable. His faith cannot be shook, shaken, and it is not shook when it faces great adversity. But before God, all of that is meaningless. All of that is nothing. All of that is meaningless. It's noise. It's meaningless before God, before man, it's everything. Now, verse three, though, is what's bothered me all day. Verse one and two is fascinating because I had to think about it like, wait a minute, this is describing someone who would be like the most popular within Christianity. They would be the next big Christian superstar. So clearly this doesn't mean, hey, you're nothing before us. No, you, they, those people, we don't view things this way. Our judgment, our, our judgment and our perception about true spirituality, I think is so fleshly that we don't even, we don't even realize it, but it's just the way it works. But I think before God, because what's the law required? To love God, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. We fall short of that. So before God, guess what we are? Sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. We are nothing because we don't love the way we're supposed to. But verse three, 
I don't know. If you've, if you've spent some time today reading 1 Corinthians 13, does verse 3 just kind of like, wait, what? No, 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 no. That can't be. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth, it profiteth me nothing. Now, this is what blows my mind. If you saw someone, and they gave all up all their material possessions, they got rid of every one of their material possessions. They sold all of their material possessions to feed the poor. Would you ever question their love for other people? Would you not see someone who sold all of their possessions to feed the poor? Would you not immediately say they love neighbor as self? They, they have reached the pinnacle. They've done it. I'm going to read the same verse, different translation. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So if someone sells everything that they give away all of their possessions, how, how would that not be considered love? See, verse one, and, verse 1 and 2, I mean, verse 1, 2, and 3, all of these explain the supremacy of love. I, I think that's a great way to, I mean, you, you can come up with, you know, I, I, you, could, you could put verse 1, 3, the absence of love equals nothing. Right? The absence of love equals nothing. If you do not have love, you are nothing. Right? The absence of love equals noise and nothingness. Right? However you want to describe it. I always try to borrow language from the text in my outlining because it's supposed to be observational. But I think what verses 1 through 3 clearly demonstrates without love, you are nothing. Right? And, and again, I think verse one and two is fascinating because we would view these people who who demonstrated these characteristics and these attributes as being the super saint, the godly one, and they would be the next Christian celebrity superstar. However, without love, before God, they are nothing. And then verse three, though, is the one that just throws me from a loop because I'm like, okay, these are people who are demonstrating these great attributes and characteristics that may convince me they're spiritual, but for crying out loud, if they just gave up all of their possessions to feed the poor, there would be proof that they love others, right? I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 3 in like every English translation I can find really quick. Because I'm just fascinated by this verse. I'm just really fascinated by it. All right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, Three. Let's just look this up. I'm just, I'm just, this, this verse has me just asking so many questions today. All right. I'm going to read this from a number of translations, right? NIV. If I give all, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Now the NIV may give us a little clue here. 
The NIV may give us a little clue. See, the King James just says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, the King James leaves some things out. So when you read the King James, which is what I read, I, 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 I was left, wait, wait, what? This doesn't make any sense. If you give up all of your possessions to feed the poor, if that doesn't prove love, then how can I ever know that I've loved? Right? Because, I mean, isn't that the greatest example of it? Isn't that self-sacrificing? Right? Isn't that self-sacrificial, I should say? New Living Translation. Let's see if they give us any clue. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, that one is, is that one kind of takes away the new, the new international. I'm like, okay, I think I can make this work. The New Living Translation kind of takes it back. Let me, let me explain. The New International, let me read it. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, that to me, I could read it like, okay, look, if you sell everything you have and feed the poor and you're willing to give up your body to die almost as a martyr, that doesn't prove that you love your neighbor and you love God, because then this seems to imply that you're doing it simply so that you may boast. Your motivation would disqualify that as truly being love because you're doing this with the wrong motivation. So then I'm like, okay, I understand it. Now, remember, the King James leaves out that boasting part completely, but the New Living Translation takes it away. Because it doesn't say that you do it that you could boast. It just says that you could. Let me read it again. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. So it doesn't say that this person is doing it so they could boast. It's just saying that they could boast. They could boast, but the reality is they would be nothing. They would have gained nothing without love. Right? So that doesn't help me a lot. ESV, if I give away all my all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. It leaves out the boasting part as well. The Berean Study Bible, if I give all I possess to have poor and exult and the surrender of my body but have not love, I gain nothing. That exult and the surrender is kind of like a boasting part, so maybe it, they're trying to include it. Bring a literal Bible. And if I, if I may give away all my possessions and I may deliver up my body that I may boast. Now, see, now that comes back to, see, I'm doing it to boast. New King James. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. It says nothing about the boasting. All right, amplified Bible. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it does no good at all. It doesn't mention the boasting as well. So there's a lot, like the translations here, it's just interesting. Um, Okay, the best, now this is interesting. Bestow all my goods. The Greek word literally means to feed others by giving them morsels of food. And so we have the thought of charity extensive in its diffusion as well as, as complete in its self-sacrifice. So in other words, this is a complete, that you're giving every morsel of everything you have to everyone else. And they don't, they don't mention anything here about the boasting part. Um, most of these commentaries don't mention it. So here's, here's a stark reality. 
Here's a stark reality. I want you to listen to me. Clearly, if I do not have love, or without love, or the absence of love equals nothing. I'm going to state it that way. The absence of love equals nothing. But this is what I want you to really consider. I want you to just kind of work with this this evening, all right? I want you to think about this. Having the spiritual ability to speak the truths of God in a very engaging and powerful way. Having the great spiritual knowledge that you can give others. Having great faith. So having the spiritual ability to speak God's word in an engaging way. Having great spiritual knowledge that you can share with others. Having an absolutely rock-solid faith having the desire and putting into action the giving up everything you own to support others and having such a commitment to Christ that you're willing to die for him and die for others, that all of those things, the possession of all of that, those actions in your life, they are not in any way, shape, or form, proof that you actually love anyone. They don't prove that you love God. They don't prove that you love anyone. I I really want you to, I want you to just struggle with that concept. Let me go through, through it again. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I'm a I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Supernatural, spiritual ability to speak God's word in the most engaging way is not proof that you love anyone. It doesn't prove that you love God, doesn't prove that you love anyone else other than yourself. I want you to hear that again. Super spiritual ability to speak the truths of God in the most engaging way possible doesn't prove you love God or anyone else. Number two, though you have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, having great spiritual knowledge so that you can instruct others, so that you can give that knowledge to others, does not prove that you love God, does not prove that you love anyone else. Number three, having unmovable, rock-solid faith does not prove you love God or prove that you love anyone else. Giving, giving up all of your possessions so that you can feed others, so that you can support others, so that you can give to those in need does not prove that you love anyone. And even laying down your life for the truth of God, for the word of God, and for others does not prove that you love anyone. That is mind-blowing earth shattering, don't even know what to do with that. But that's the implication. You can do all of those things. Now you could argue, no, 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 that's not the implications. You could argue that no, all he's saying that if you did all of those things and didn't have love, you, you, you would be nothing. So is it simply trying to say, hey, if you do these things without love, you're nothing? Or is it saying that it's possible to do these things without love? 
That's the real question. Is this simply saying, hey, even if you were to do all of these things without love, you would be nothing. In other words, doing all of these things does not make you something. Or is it the implication you could do all of these things and, and not do them with love and therefore you would be nothing? Do you, do you see the distinction there? Is it saying, hey, it's possible that you could do all these things and not have love and you're nothing? Or is it saying that, no, I'm not saying that it's possible. I'm saying that even if you were to do all of these things and not have love, you wouldn't be nothing. Is it just kind of a hypothetical or is it giving a possible reality? I'm going to do something. I'm going to go to a different commentary. I'm going to go to a different commentary. I'm going to go to a different commentary here. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. All right. Um, let's see here. All right. Paul named five spiritual gifts, tongues, prophecy, knowledge, faith, and giving. He pointed out that without love, the exercise of these gifts is nothing. Now, if you look at the context of 1 Corinthians, there's a lot of emphasis on a lot of these gifts. So to me, it seems to be saying, hey, guys, you can be demonstrating all of these gifts. You can be so proud of all of these gifts. But if, hey, you can, so in other words, you could be having these gifts, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. It seems to me that there's at least a possible argument that it's possible to do, have some of these attributes and not have love. Therefore, you're nothing before God. Some may argue, no, no, you couldn't do these things without love. Obviously, love for God and love for others would have to be present. But it seems, is it not implying to at least me, and I think it's very interesting, that it's true that if you look at all the First Corinthians and look at all the discussion about spiritual gifts, does he not, in a sense, name right here in First Corinthians 13 some of those spiritual gifts? And what's the problem in Corinth? They're demonstrating spiritual gifts, but they don't love each other. It's selfish. They're using the gifts for their own selfish motivation, for their own self-exaltation, not for the glory of God, but to boast and to brag. And they're divided and they're, they're fighting with one another and they're using the spiritual gifts more as a sense to flaunt others, to flaunt themselves and push others down demonstrating that you could have these gifts. Please know, I mean, clearly we know that in Matthew 7, when it speaks of the, of the judgment, hey, Lord, Lord, did not we do all of these things? Depart from me, for I never knew you. Demonstrating that there was ability to do these things, even though God never knew them. So I think it's, I think it's plausible, or I'll say it's possible that what Paul is saying here, guys, you could do all of these things without love. And without love, it equals nothing. So then this raises a big question, doesn't it? Well, if I could do all of those things, and that would not prove that I love God or others, then what does? Now, I think, well, I just want you, I just want you to struggle with that. 
I'll throw one more thing for you to struggle with. I know I'm throwing a lot of things for you to struggle with, right? But you, you can tell me how you read these verses. You may have a different approach. I think I can make a textual argument going with, my idea is this seems to imply that you can do all of those things. Let me, let me go through them again. First Corinthians 13, right? And I'm, I'm not applying, I'm not immediately co- drawing a correlation between them and the spiritual gifts and the rest of first Corinthians. That, that's a, that's a good way to go about it, but I'm just doing this in, in, in this way. All right. So just stay with me. First, this is the way I'm reading it. First Corinthians 13. You can have the spiritual ability to speak the word of God in the most engaging, powerful way possible, and that would not prove that you love God or others. Number two, you can have great spiritual knowledge so that you can share with others. That does not prove you love God or others. You can have an unmovable, rock-steady faith, and that doesn't prove you love God or others. You could sacrificially give up every possession you own to feed the poor, and that would not prove that you love others or love God. You could lay your life down as a martyr, dying for the faith, and that would not prove that you love God or others. That's the way I am reading. I know others are going, no, 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 no. It's just saying that if you were to do these things and you didn't have love, it would be nothing. But I think the argument is, no, you could do these things without love. Because because I think the whole point of 1 Corinthians 13 is to remind the church. Here's a church running around. And remember, 1 Corinthians 13, it's constantly about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. The abuse, the misuse of the spiritual gifts, using spiritual gifts for their own selfish means. So I think 1 Corinthians 13 is like, hey guys, these spiritual gifts, these spiritual abilities, you may have them, but without love, you're still nothing. I think this creates the idea that it's possible to have these things and not have love, which would then raise a very, very, very difficult question. Well, then what proves I actually love? So, I want you to ask, I want you to try to struggle with that question. If this is demonstrating that you could have these abilities and not, and not love, then what would actually prove that you do love? And then number two, how is it possible that you could do these things and it not be a demonstration of your love for God and others. There has to be a reason that you could do these things and it clearly doesn't demonstrate your love for God. What would corrupt, what would turn all of these actions into not proving you don't have love? In other words, there's something flawed deep inside, right? You're doing all of these actions that seem amazing and seem great and going to get you great praise, position, and prestige, but Clearly, there's something wrong. So what is the thing that turns these actions not into a demonstration of love? What is the corrupting thing? What is the corrupting thing that destroys these actions from being actual examples of love? It's got to be something. And what's interesting is that starting in the very next verse, starting in verse four, he begins to define love. Like this doesn't define love. This doesn't prove love. Here's what love is. I want to see, see, this is one of those situations where I wish I have like a hundred people in front of me. I'm like, okay, does that mean, because I know some people are like, I still don't get it. I still don't understand. 
And probably some of you still don't get it and still don't understand. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, and I'll try to work through this again if we need to. I think, I think we have to work on this before we do anything else in the text. Other than the assignments I've already given you, which are, are very basic. All right. If you read it a little differently, I'm more than willing to hear your, your reasoning. All right. It's Monday. Don't fall behind. Open up that Bible to 1 Corinthians 13. Open up that Bible. Now, I have not looked at the curriculum yet, but please look at the curriculum. Remember, you have two curriculums available to you this week, 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, another one in 2 Kings. I haven't looked at the 2 Kings one yet. Maybe we'll get to it before the end of the week. And I want, and I want you to use the curriculum. I, I want you to use the curriculum. And here's the reason I want you to use it. Literally, while I was talking, let me go to my email. Literally, while I was talking, if my email will open, hang on, let me open this again, right? Someone said, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Maybe if I can get my email to open. Why will my email not open? Why will my email not open? Okay, give me one second here. That I get nervous when uh, my email's not opening. I'm like, okay, did I lose access uh, to the internet? Okay, but right now everything over here to my left says that we're we're connected and everything is good. All right, let me connect. Let me reconnect to the internet. Okay, there we go. That connected quickly. All right. Give me one second. There we go. I'm starting to get worried. Starting to get worried. Okay, here we go. I, I received this email literally while we're, uh, we're live on the air. I see, did I? Where is it? Oh, here we go. Oh, this is the email. Okay, this says, uh, here we go. Um, it says, your monthly subscription renews in seven days. Your monthly subscription renews on Monday, August the 1st. You will be charged the following for the following items. And right now, that's a that's $40 that we're going to be charged. Now, that's perfectly fine. I'm more than willing to pay the $40 to give people access to the curriculum. I'm more than willing, but I just want you to use it, all right? So just please use it. If you're using it, if you're getting something out of it, let me know. If you're not getting something out of it, please let me know. Yeah, it's not really worth it. I don't really care. Look to you. It's you. I understand why for you, you can be like, eh, whatever, 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 whatever. I understand for you. But for us, it's a big deal because, well, we, we want to use our the money that we're spending on everything we do for the podcast. We want to use it in ways that actually is benefiting you, right? So if it's not benefiting you, then we would rather find a way to use that money in a way that would benefit you. So... It's just so that you know, if you care to know. All right. There you have it, man. I hope that made sense. See, I don't want to stop right now. I don't want to stop because I'm like, man, that's some really good stuff right there. Or, or, or maybe, is that, is, that, is that the right way to say that? Man, that was some really good stuff right there. Woohoo! Yeah, that, does that not sound arrogant? Man, I want you to know that was some good stuff. I want you to know that's the best podcast you could hear today. Okay, I'm not trying to say it that way. I guess what I'm trying to say is that all the thinking about this today 
has been really good, at least for me, to really think about that. And I think it's just really good to challenge us that our perception sometimes of what's spiritual may not be that actual spiritual, may just be fleshly. Right? But I'm, I'm, I am left with what, then what would demonstrate love? And so, because these actions clearly don't demonstrate love, well, then what went wrong? Maybe, I don't know. Someone's laughing at me. So that's, that's not very nice. I do know this, that when the podcaster is trying to go, okay, did I say that the correct way? And all you do is give me an LOL. I can prove that that's not very loving. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. Everyone have a great day, evening. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I think I'm going to probably find some food, but I, I think we'll be back. I, I only, I didn't do near as many things as I did. I was worried a little earlier on the, on the last one, which I still think, I think the last one was an important discussion. I really, I, I, again, going to sound arrogant. I think that last one was a very, very important discussion about Christians and the way we view uh, the culture and how we view that we can keep a law that we believe the world can. I think, I think that's a very important uh, discussion. So, um, but I was getting worried because, man, when I was first starting to talk, I was having some breathing issues. And I, and I started panicking because I'm like, man, I don't want to start developing COVID symptoms. Okay, I can't develop COVID symptoms. I cannot. No, I have zero protection here. No, I can't. So, um, but I, I feel pretty good right now. So let's hope that that continues for the rest of today. If I could just make it maybe till Wednesday or Thursday, then, I, then, man, it'll be amazing that once again, I, I did not, I think, I think it's going, I think they've said like 82% of the population right now has had COVID. I, I, I want to be the last one. I want to be like, there's only one person left who hasn't had COVID. There's one person left and I want to be the last person and I'll be the person who did not get it, who was not, who well, could not be vaccinated. That would, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Wouldn't that be cool? I, I think it would be cool. Like, like there's one person left and he's sitting in front of a microphone in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Okay. You know that it, it, we, okay. Yeah. See now I'm just talking nonsense, but I saw that statistic the other day and I'm like, I have made it a long time considering I have zero protection and I've, you know, I've made it a long way, but I try to be so very careful. So hopefully, hopefully, even though the virus is in my house <laughs> so far, I've avoided it. So, or maybe, maybe they'll find out that I'm the only, that I have natural immunity, that I'm the la- only person on earth with built in natural immunity. And then they'll pay me millions of dollars to study my blood and then I'll become rich. Okay. Yeah. Just having a little fun. Just having a little fun. Nobody get offended. I can I can hear I, I do these jokes and then nobody laughs. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll we'll do some more this evening. Because now I feel like that I can. All right. So, but until then, open up your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13. Read, but most importantly, let me know what you think, what you're find, finding, what you thinking our thoughts are about today's uh, study. Let me know, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We'll be talking soon. Thanks for listening. God bless.